Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. And joining us from the Minneapolis Ice Show, Mr. Nate Zielinski, do you ever stay home anymore? You're doing more travel than I used to do, and that's hard to believe. Holy cow, I'm all over the place. I uh, I got multiple trips uh, the next couple of weeks as well. So uh, like like we always talk about, Terry, there's a lot going on in the outdoor industry, and I am not letting any of my time go to waste. I, uh, I'm definitely taking advantage of all opportunities in the fishing and hunting world, that's for sure. Well, I'm going, I'm leaving tonight. Karen and I are going to Florida so I can practice my ice fishing jigging techniques. So I'm concerned that all of my locations are not the climate and weather that you are experiencing. And uh, I, I need to learn from you as I, you know, mature and age uh, to start swapping into that kind of mentality. I think you just called me old. But <laughs> I, I was very cautious with those words. <laughs> so, my friend, um, we've been covering uh, things going on. I know you've been out of state, and I know we got a lot of gear we want to talk about. But before we get into it, as your crew reported back of any fishable ice, we're kind of hearing spotty stuff. We're going to get some cold weather next week. We're hoping it'll kick off. Yeah, very excited about the cold weather coming. I mean, I definitely, I was out Thursday morning. I drilled holes on Intero. I drilled holes on Terriol. Uh, I kind of bounced around South Park, did some videos, caught some fish. Um, but we are still in that time to where, yes, there is ice. But even by the time that we check it, you know, a day ago, two days ago, it's hard to say what that condition is as of right now today. I will say that the South Park area, which in most of our time, even though the, the sun is high and it's warm during the day, the nights are cold. Uh, so, so we're looking good. We're not quite there yet, uh, but we're looking good. So over the next couple of weeks, I think we're going to see everything really solidify and really lock up hard. Um, and I think we're going to be in great conditions. But there is ice up there right now. Uh, again, take it day by day. Use caution um because you know you have one bright sunny day and some high winds and you can have you know fishable ice turning into non-fishable ice pretty quick um if i did have to go up to that south park area uh we're definitely seeing better conditions i'm not saying great conditions but better conditions at terriol uh than we are in Ontario for sure all right and hopefully we'll get that solidified up here and my biggest concern i've been saying this throughout the show is there's a huge pent-up demand there's an itch to get on the ice and Ice fishing can be extremely safe, but there's no such thing as safe ice. So really be careful. Use your spud bar. Check as you go. Don't take risks and don't go alone. Now, my friend, you're at the Minneapolis Ice Show. What's new and exciting? You know, it, this is literally the the motherland of ice fishing, um, and it is the home of, of everything that is ice fishing. We have to say that. We're talking to, to, you know, basically a lot of the different brands here. Talk to the show promoters. And, you know, looking back, literally, if it is an ice fishing product, more than likely it started here. Um, you know, just like we talk about an ice addiction, or at, uh, excuse me, at, um, ICAST in the summer, literally, this is where everything starts. You see it's where it's a small 10 by 10 booth, and in a couple of years from now, you know, it will be a major brand, and everybody is here. All of your augers, all your electronics, all of your major manufacturers in the ice world are at this show. Um, so it's neat because you get to see it all. Um, as we kind of walk around the show, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. I would say one of the biggest things that we're seeing a, a big influence on this year um, is a lot of accessories. So with that, you know, Clam put a huge 
huge investment into accessories for shelters. So you are seeing advancements in lights, whether it's light bars that are built into the shelter, LED lights that are accessories. Um, there is a huge thing called the lock system, and it's basically accessories that you can now hook on or clamp on um, attached to your, your shelters, whether it's a hub-style shelter or a trap-style shelter. This is rod holders and bags and, and everything else. So they're taking the, the general consensus and making things better, making it easier. So whether it's you by yourself or with a family, um, a lot of accessories. We're seeing a lot of floors here. So, you know, floors by clam. There's a couple other brands that are making floors for inside your shelter. So we're seeing a lot of that, um, a lot of lighting, a lot of things that glow your jigs. Um, so I would say the theme of the show from what I've seen so far walking around is all about accessories. Um, again, just to try to make things more comfortable, make things better. Um, I will say that a lot of the things I'm usually not that accessory person. I am uh, rough on my equipment. I'm a running gun kind of guy, but like the new lock system and the, and the rod holder they have by clam. If you're sitting in your shelter, you now have a rod hole that you can move around and kind of adjust to where you could literally put it right where your hand falls. So if you're using a slip bobber or a dead stick, um, instead of like setting your rod on the ground, having to reach for it or having it propped up on a seat, there's some cool stuff that is more built to increase your speed when grabbing the rod to, to you know, set the hook on a take of the bait. Um, so a lot of cool accessories. And I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. Um, you're also seeing a lot of advancements like in the auger world. Obviously, I think a lot of people have seen the new stuff by Jiffy. Uh, I'm kind of the face behind the launch of some of those products, but Jiffy now is kind of basically launching all those products here at the St. Paul show. So they have got a new electric auger called the Rogue, um, and it's the highest speed auger on the market. So it has a regular speed and a turbo speed um, in that electric world. So they basically looked at the entire drill market and you know, you say, hey, a major portion of this is switching over to electric, but the guys who haven't switched to electric is because they still want more power. They're still reviving or relying on a gas powered motor to create more torque, more speed. Um, Cause there's definitely a large audience that still wants that sheer power. So they invented what's called the Jiffy Rogue, it's going to be an electric auger, but extremely long runtime, still extremely durable, but now has some of the fastest and highest RPM speed of, of rotating that shaft. And it's unbelievable that now you have an electric auger that will keep up in the speed and the torque of all the power heads out there uh, of all fuel sources. So whether it's gas or propane. Um, so they're really seeing a lot of that, uh, which is pretty cool. We're also seeing Jiffy products that have the new Scout. So it's basically a like two and a half inch drill bit um, and you drill through the ice and you hook it on the edge of the ice and it tells you how thick it is. Uh, obviously you and I still use our spud bars and our ice chisels more than anything but they do have a new product that is actually a measuring device. It takes two seconds, it goes on a cordless drill just attach it, it's like a $40 MSRP, drill it and you can check that ice within regards of the safety. So as we get a lot of our climates kind of moving around and we get later ice form, uh, safety is always priority so it's, it's kind of cool to see those devices like that. Um, seeing a lot of the float suits, throwable devices. So, so in regards to kind of the safety world, there's a lot of those products out here. Um, and then kind of the last thing I'd say that we're really seeing a lot of the tackle is just unbelievable. Um, the paint jobs, the glow paint, the UV paint. Um, I mean, there's, you know, dozens, 
dozens and dozens of, you know, jig and tackle manufacturers here. Um, and, and the stuff that they're doing is unbelievable. Photo finishes and just a lot neater things with, with paint and UVs. I was hanging out at the JR's tackle booth. A lot of people have heard me talk about them. Um, but they're having baits literally where they are doing, you know, underglow. So they're putting glow paint underneath of like photo finishes and, you know, glow paint underneath to where then they'll have, you know, UV and other paints on top. So instead of just a typical glow or the typical mon glow, they're really incorporating all of this stuff kind of together to make some really cool imagery to where you get a, a flawless image during the daylight. And then at night, instead of just that blown out glow, you're getting the glow effect on top of an actual paint job or coming through an actual paint job. Uh, so a lot of cool things like that here. All right. A couple things I want to ask you about, because you and I don't always agree on everything, which is hard to believe, being as intelligent <laughs> as we both are. But first of all, the float suits, um, and when they first came out with float suits, they were a little bulky. I'm understanding yep. that you don't even feel like you're wearing a bulky suit anymore, that they're really comfortable. A hundred percent, especially, I mean, you know, there's probably five different float suits here, uh, some brand new stuff that are kind of just launched their product. Uh, but you know, clam has been in that game for quite a long time. I, the new clam suit that just came out this year, they innovated almost every year. And I have to say that this year is probably the best that I've ever seen. Uh, if you actually go to the clam, like Instagram page, they have a giant tank set up in the booth and they have somebody in a suit floating throughout the entire day. So they keep rotating out about every hour and they have different people in the suit floating around, but the buoyancy is unbelievable. I mean, it would blow the doors off of any life vest that I carry on my boat. It, it is unbelievable the flotation that it has, and I agree. Not only were they kind of bulky, they were very stiff in the beginning. It is no longer that. I, I wouldn't even, I would have to look down at the suit that I'm wearing from Clam um, to notice which one's a float suit versus which one is not, um, simply for the fact that they, they are that comfortable to wear. So revolutionary in that market to, to have a float suit to provide safety um, that you don't notice as a float suit. So it's warm, it's comfortable, and obviously the safety is there. And I actually had this conversation with a gentleman earlier because so many people look at the float suit and they strictly think ice fishing. But as you know, you know as well as I, Terry, we spend probably as many, if not more, miserably cold days on our boat <laughs> than we do ice. So many times on the ice, we're in a shelter, we're warm. Um, again, if I took my top 20 coldest days of the year, by far is spring and fall, you know, walleye fishing or pike fishing or lake trout fishing. I mean, March and April when I'm night fishing walleyes, I'm wearing a suit every night because I'm so cold. May, I'm doing pike and lakers in the high country. It's snowing. It's cold. Obviously, you know, October and November in South Park is freezing. So I wear a, a larger ice fishing style suit on my boat as long or as much as I do on the ice and the availability to have a float suit on my boat um, is huge. So I, I think that the the concept of you know making the larger purchase for, for one of these type safety float suits um, is huge because it's not just used on the ice. It's ice, open water, um, and it's cool to, to be warm, comfortable, and then obviously the safety effect of having a float suit. No, I couldn't agree more. Now, a couple things. I want to do these quickly, though. The first thing is everybody I ask about what type of line they like to ice fishing, we've gotten answers across the board. What's your favorite ice fishing line? 
You know, so I'm actually here at the show. They're spooling up rods in the booth for clam. You have options to fluorocarbon, superline, or mono, um, and this conversation has been talked about all weekend. So for me personally, if I am working in a reaction-aggressive bait, so I'm working a spoon aggressively, I'm working a blade bait, a jigging wrap, I am fluorocarbon. Generally speaking, six pound for most of my walleye, trout, small lake trout. If I am doing more the concept of my rainbows, um, really light spoons, even live bait or bobber fishing, I'm using like a four to six pound mono um, on those species on a lighter jig i want that mono that's not stiff i want that line to really kind of float around with that bait so the bait falls naturally i also use a shorter rod on those fish uh when i'm trout fishing pan fishing i'm using like a 30 32 inch rod and that stretch from that mono allows me to land a lot more fish so it's kind of split for me between a fluorocarbon and a monofilament they both definitely have their place and i definitely have rods built and set up kind of for each technique and I definitely pick my line and rod due to technique more than the fish. Everybody looks at the fish, wants to catch a fish, so they think about the rod to land that fish. I have every, all my systems built for a particular technique, uh, which helps me get more bites, which then obviously leads to catching more fish. The last one, and this is one that I really go back and forth with people on, and that's a spring bobber or an extremely light tip on a rod. Now, if I'm holding, I'll give you my perspective first, and you can give me yours. If I'm holding a rod in my hand, I do not want a spring bobber on it or a tip that's so soft that every time I try to move the jig, the tip moves. I want to be able to know when I move the tip of that rod an inch that my jig moved an inch, and I'm not just flexing the, the spring bobber. And I also want to be able to feel if you get a you mentioned it a rod that's sized right for the presentation with the right line even a tiny jig you'll feel it thump when it gets to the bottom of the line the only place i use a slip bobber is on a dead stick where where do you stand 100 percent. you know i if i'm going to use a dead stick or i'm holding the rod i want light presentation i am a slip bobber 100 percent. so dead sticking are very minimal movement i am all about a bobber so i'm using my normal regular rods and i am 100 percent dedicated to a slip bobber i i don't even own a spring bobber and i don't really own one of the fashions if you have snare rods you have you know rods that are basically a spring bobber built into the rod it's such a light tip you know built out of fiberglass so i am not into any of those i want my slip bobber number one i want to drop to the same depth every time number two when i start to get a bite or when that middle starts to quiver and get nervous i want to be able to pick up the rod and be ready so when that fish takes it again i can set the hook so oftentimes when people are dead sick and using those real light rods you know the rod's sitting there and you want to pick it up so you're ready when they pick it up they move the jig a little bit and the fish swims away so for me any of those really you know light or you know still presentations I am 100% a slip barber guy, uh, opposed to, you know, any sort of spring bobber or very light tip rod. 30 seconds. Is there something that's out of the ordinary jumped out at you at the show? You know, I would say the biggest thing is probably the convenience. You know, accessories are getting better in shelters. Uh, you know, everybody now has drills that attach to a cordless drill. Uh, like Jiffy made one of those as well. They kind of launch all these new products. You have the Jiffy Torch. So I would say convenience in the ice world. They are making it better to wear its lighter weight to where youth, women, smaller frame people, everybody can get out there and use the equipment now. So they are taking the bulkiness out of ice fishing. And I would say that's probably the number one uh, thing that I've really noticed uh, overall, for sure. All right. We're going to let you go next week. I'm hoping you're going to have a 
We've been on the ice. People should be out fishing report. I hope this cold weather is going to really jumpstart things. And uh, you'll be back, and I'll be returning from my travels. You know, I, I'm going to Florida for my listeners to check it out. You know that, Nate. I'm taking no personal pleasure in this. None whatsoever. <laughs> All right, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. We'll talk soon, sir. Thank you. All right. Nate Zielinski, Tightline Outdoors. Always a great, great, great. Uh, don't forget, he's got ice addiction coming up. He's got all his guide trips. Go to Tightline Outdoors or Nate Zielinski, Google them, and go to get find out about their events. They do a great job for the entire ice fishing world. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, the folks at Jack's are going to help you with your last-minute Christmas shopping right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear. And speaking of Jack's, we're going to go to the phones. And, you know, if you've never been in a Jack's store, you might not realize what an incredible place to do some of your Christmas shopping is. And we're going to help you with that, especially this year with the supply chain the way it is. You need a source for things and maybe things you tried to get earlier in the year for somebody and couldn't. They still want it or maybe just those special gifts that say, I know what kind of activities you like. And joining us from Jack's is Linda McGuire. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being on. We love having Jax as a partner. Not only are you guys rooted in the outdoors, you know, the hunting and fishing, but you cover so many aspects of not only outdoors, but everyday life in your stores. I have a history with Jax. It goes all the way back to the 90s. You guys used to be the biggest seller of uh uh, VHS copies of my television show in the country. That's how, how far back I go with Jack's, but just really always appreciated the stores. You know, I was making, you and I talked earlier, and I was making reference, a lot of people couldn't get stuff for their summer activities. Now, I know we're going to talk overall gifts later, but you were telling me that, like at Jack's, you ran out of paddle boards, but now you've got them in, so this might be a time to come and look for those gifts for next spring, right? That's absolutely right. Um, this summer, the sor- shortages were significant as far as summer activities go. But right now, we have a great supply of pa- stand-up paddle boards, which have been um, a well-received addition to our aquatics division. And you know, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you please. I was I was just going to ask you. I, I I what do you have to spend to get into a paddle board? Do you know? I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah, um, paddle boards range between five hundred and and nine hundred dollars at our store, um, and it does come complete. So you don't have to buy anything additional to get started on paddle boarding, except um, a PFD. It and comes so that with includes the, the paddle, the the pump, um, the leash to keep the board attached to you. So everything you need to get started. Now, are most of your paddle boards inflatable then, or are the some that are solid? I'm a novice to paddle boards, so. Yes, um, in our area, in, inflatable paddle boards tend to be a little easier to use. Um, you don't have to buy anything additionally to get them from your house to the lake or to the river, where, whichever you decide to, wherever you decide to paddle, um, and. They're easy to store, easy to pack, and they're a little more durable. They don't get dinged up quite so fast. 
Well, and I would think paddle boards and other summer activities, what we saw, like you said, you ran out of paddle boards. And I, I haven't seen any signs that the supply chain is catching up. So people may, if they wait till summer, they may not have them available. And what a great Christmas gift. But at Jack's, you have a lot of, you know, one thing that surprised me is you have a lot of educational toys for children and you have activities for kids to shop there. That's true. We are the area's best all-ages toy store. So we've got toys for not just the adults, but also for the kids as well. Um, anything, that, things from Melissa and Doug and um, Smithsonian and Klutz. Okay, and then you have some activities, a train and a pond, the kids you can kind of keep them occupied while you're shopping. Exactly. It made Jack's a wonderful place for me to shop when my kids were younger. Um, there were distractions that helped, helped um, as a parent for me to shop for my child and keep them occupied with things to look at and things to think about and do um, so that, that they weren't always observing what I was buying. Yeah, it's it's tough sometimes, especially when they're young. Now, you have a lot of different things I think don't think even people realize, but the, the shopping experience alone at Jack's is kind of different. You don't get the throngs of people like at a mall store, but you have such a variety, and your people are trained to serve. So it really is a great shopping experience, isn't it? It's true, and as, it's, as you mentioned earlier, it is important to come to a place um, this year that knows their their stock there knows their inventory and knows your activity um you may not have your first choice out there um but being able to talk to one of our associates and find that second choice that will work for your Chris, for your christmas gift is it is really helpful Let's just go through some of the other things you have to offer there. Just give people ideas because I think people sometimes don't offer, don't understand the Jack's outlet. Now, in addition, we talked about the paddle boards and the paddle sports. I'm sure you have kayaks too. What about like cross-country skiing or snowshoes or bike accessories or all those things I can get at a Jack's outlet? Yes. Um, we offer cycling, cross-country skiing, snowshoes, and then, of course, everything f to help you catch, um, catch, cook, and serve anything that you're, you're fishing and your, your hunting activities. Right, including grilling accessories. I've been at several of the Jack stores doing appearances, and I, had to, I do a lot of grilling, and I walked through the grilling department, and I was starting to drool not only over the grills and the different styles you have and the, both the um, pellet grills and the gas grills, but the accessories you have, and including spices and, and just anything anybody wants grilling, a lot of stocking stuffers there. And then you have a lot of things that people wouldn't think about for Jack's, like chocolate and candy, right? Oh, yes, and we have seasonal treats as well. So uh, this time of year, we'll have gingerbreads and stolen loaves and all sorts of wonderful little holiday treats. And what hours are normally a store? Like you're at the Jackson Fort Collins. What are your store hours? Our store hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 8. Saturday, we're open 8 to 6. And Sunday, 9 to 6. 
All right. One last thing. I know you also, we talked about toys for the kids, but obviously you have a lot of adult toys. You have the hunting and fishing and camping sections, but you also carry a lot of equipment like rack systems and equipment for outdoors. I think you carry a company called Overland. Is that right? Um, Overland Trading is is one of the companies, but Overland is a style of getting outside. And if you have all the toys, you have to have a way to get there and and stay comfortable while you're there. So we do have um, have jacks and straps and and things to help you get out of a situation if you do decide to get out into into the outdoors and get yourself a little stuck. All right. Well, we've got to go. But, folks, if, even if you're looking for just clothes or footwear, socks, you guys have a tremendous inventory of socks there, um, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Socks are a fantastic Christmas gift for just about everybody. Well, I think there's just somebody there, for something there for everybody, Linda. I want to thank you for joining us. And I just wanted to open up to people about Jack's. If they've never been, you have two stores. You have Jack's Outdoor Gear and you have Jack's Farm and Ranch, and some of your stores are a combination of both. But, boy, folks, if you're looking for a great Christmas shopping experience and you can get gift cards, stop in at a Jack's near you and just check it out. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, that's Linda McGuire. She's at the paddleboard and bike area at the Jackson Fort Collins, so... Stop by and say hi. Tell her you heard her on the radio. We're going to take time out. We come back. Dan Swanson is going to join us, and we're going to talk about an open water fishing opportunity that you can still take advantage of right now on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. And uh, joining us, he's a former professional walleye trail touring pro. He is qualified for the professional walleye championship. He was a Western Rookie of the Year. He's a good friend and a very accomplished angler and one of the best experts on electronics I know, Dan Swanson. Did I read that the way you wrote it, Dan? Something like that. Yeah, I think you used the same one. You must have it memorized. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's all it's, it's all true, my friend. You're a, a good angler and a great resource for the show, and we appreciate you coming on. You know, we've been, everybody's got this ice fishing itch that's driving them crazy, and we're, it looks like we may get some cold weather in the next few days. We're starting to see a few mountain lakes get some ice, but I'll tell you what, it's going to be a while on the front range because the water's still in the 40s here. It's going to take some time to cool these down and freeze them up, but you have an alternative for us, and that's to go fish walleyes from the shore. Yeah, I think that's the best bet right now. I mean, we can't put our boats on the water unless you want to drive for three hours, so um, we've got some, I think, some great opportunity, and the, and the beautiful thing, I think, is not only is it warm, but with the change of daylight savings time, it's getting dark at Biocahawk, so you don't even have to stay out late anymore. Yeah, that's true, because it's probably, typically, walleye shore fishing this time of the year tends to be a twilight or dusk type thing or early morning, so you can get out there about 4.30 probably, huh? Yeah, I think it's a good idea to get out early. Get out there about an hour before sunset and and start casting. And you know, if if you're going to a lake where you're not familiar, it's probably good to go scout out, scout out some spots. 
you know, before it gets dark. So I'm looking, I'm going to want to look for like a point that sticks out into the, into the main basin that's got some rock and gravel on it. Um, something that's got access to deep water so the fish can move up. And then when it starts to get dark, I think that that's going to turn on. And I want a whole bunch of those spots too, so I can move. And so yeah. the fish are nice right now. Well, one of the things that brought to mind is, you know, we always hear people go, well, you know, I, I don't need electronics because I'm fishing from shore, but the mapping systems you can get on a good set of electronics are so good right now. Finding those spots on the shore, sometimes the lake map doesn't help you or you can't, you can't tell by looking, but you can really isolate some spots by looking at the advanced maps that's on electronics right now. You can, but you also you got to realize that a lot of that stuff's available just on your phone. So there's the the CMAP app from Lawrence that's got all all of our local lakes on it, and you can see that right on your phone. So you can just you, while you're out there fishing, you can see they can look at the map and say, "Well, there's a good spot over here. Maybe I'll walk over here and fish over there for a bit." So yeah, that's great, great, great resources now that we didn't have ten years ago. Oh, it's amazing because I used to try to do some shore fishing and. You'd have to look at, I mean, you'd look at the topography of the lake, or maybe you got to see it when the water was at a different level. But if you, otherwise you were casting to areas and maybe counting down a jig or something, but you never really knew if you were by those, those deeper water accesses, which as you said, are really important. Now, before we get into how you approach it and how you fish it, what are some of the bodies of water that you think would be good right now? Right now, well, given that I live in northern Colorado, my focus, I think, for some of the best walleyes right now as far as size in this area is Horsetooth Reservoir. I know Carter Lake is also pretty good. Yeah, those two lakes are probably the two I'd focus on up here right now. But I think Horsetooth is really probably underrepresented at night, um, you know, because everybody's kind of stuck on that same mindset about Carter. Uh, Boyd Lake has still got some opportunity along the riprap areas. And then, of course, you get down towards the metro area. you got Cherry Creek and Chatfield, and Aurora has, has fishes pretty well, too, for in this time of year for, for those fish. And then, of course, Pueblo, you can still get a boat on Pueblo, but Pueblo, some of those points down there are, are really good in, at nighttime as well. Well, and sometimes this time of the year, you don't want to drag your boat down to Pueblo because you said it can be quite a drive. And you don't have that much daylight where if you can drive down there and you can do some evening fishing when it's dark and still drive home and be home at a reasonable hour. So it's a great opportunity. And you have that spillway for other opportunities below Pueblo. So now you've kind of decided on your body of water. Take us again through it. You're looking for points, deep water. How do you approach it once you think you've located some points or some areas and what kind of presentations? Well, typically what I'm going to do is walk out to the end of the point. I'm going to start with basically I'm going to use three different baits and maybe some variations of that. But I want to I want to search for fish. So I want something where I can where I can cast it and cover water fairly quickly. And so I'll probably start with a swim jig head or I should say a swim bait jig head with a with a swim bait on it, like a four inch hollow belly or a five inch hollow belly. You remember the bait fish this time of year are generally going to run bigger because they're you know they've grown, they've had all summer to grow. So I want something in that four to five inch range, something I can cast and cover water. So I'll start by casting a swim bait, and I want to I want to fan cast the area. So I'm going to start fishing you know parallel to the shore, as close to the shore as I can get, and just swim it back just fast enough 
to where I'm not getting hung up. And then I'll fish, then I'll, you know, cast to my right and do that. And then I'll cast to the left and do that. And I'll kind of work my way out to deeper water. If I'm not getting, if I'm not getting bites, then I'll change to something maybe it's a little, little noisier, like a lipless crankbait or even the, or even the, uh, uh, some sort of a bladed uh, jig like a, um, you know, like a Johnson Thinfish or something like that. Um, and then last, line, my last technique is going to be probably a jerkbait, something a little slower, a little more subtle. Um, I'm going to want some long pauses and give the fish a chance to hit it, you know, something from 5 to 10 to 20 second pauses. But that's a slow way to find fish, which is the reason I want to start with a swim bait. Yeah, and if you're fairly confident and you found some fish, you could try the jerk bait, but the swim bait really does cover water. I think you made an excellent point about the four to five inches. I think a lot of fishermen, especially Western anglers, for some reason, you know, I think that's their trout fishing backgrounds, but, and I'm guilty of it myself. I love to tie on like a three inch gulp minnow or, or a three inch curly tail jig or a, uh, uh, even a jig head with a smaller minnow or a half a night crawler. And you can't be afraid, especially this time of the year and in the spring, to use those big presentations, can you? No, exactly. But these fish don't feed real often. And when they are feeding, they want a big meal. Yeah, and it's just, and it's, and you can cast them so much further too. So it allows you to, to cover uh, so much more water. Any particular rod reel line setup you should use for this? Well, I think it depends. I would use, you know, like a, the six and a half foot medium, uh, maybe a medium fast, maybe a moderate action for something like that. But when I get to a jerkbait rod, then I want something that's got a much faster tip, like a fast tip, uh, something that where I can, when I move the bait, it moves a lot. Um, I, I do like, I do like using a braid for, for most things. Um, if the water gets really cold and the fish are not real active and I'm fishing a jerk bait, I may use mono or fluorocarbon because it's not going to snap the bait quite as much. I'm, I want it. I want a more subtle action than I would get when the water's warmer. So think about that as well. Well, another thing too, we talk about big fish and we talk about a lot of springtime opportunities for big fish because the spawn tends to put them in areas where other fish are. But most of the time during the the summer, a lot of people don't catch many big walleyes in Colorado. Those in the know do, but a lot don't because they find these schools of those young males that are 15 to 18 inches, and they catch one fish after another, and the action is good, but the big fish are doing something totally different and a lot of times not as accessible. This probably is another one of those key times when you can get some of the biggest fish of the year, isn't it? No question about it. In fact, I was thinking about this earlier. I mean, this is a great time to bring a camera and a tape measure because if you want, if you want to get a, a, a mount, you know, take a picture, measure the length, measure the girth, get some really good pictures, and you'll get a replica mount. I'm encouraging people to release these big fish, not not only because of you know that a lot of people say they don't spawn successfully, but you got to realize that the state of Colorado is harvesting these fish and using them for the spawn. And these bigger fish are generally females, and they're starting to develop eggs for for the spring. So I, it's nice if we let them go if we can so we can just get more fish. And it keeps the genetics in the gene pool, too. Uh, you know, every fish doesn't grow to be a monster, and the ones that do, we want to keep those genetics around. So even if it's just being harvested by Parks and Wildlife for the spawn so that they can milk it, you still keep those genetics in the stream, and it really helps. And 
I was talking to some ice anglers uh, earlier in this year on an online show I was doing for northern Minnesota. And we were talking, and they wanted to talk about all the trout fishing out in Colorado. People want to come out here for lake trout. They want to come out here for the big rainbows. Um, I don't think, I don't know if I would put Colorado as a walleye destination if I was somewhere planning a trip. But, boy, if you live here and you understand what you're doing, your chances of big walleyes in Colorado are probably as good as almost anywhere, aren't they? I agree. I think the only place that's probably going to beat Colorado is maybe the Great Lakes, you know, as far as the chances of catching a big fish. You, know, you got Wyoming and Colorado and and uh, Montana, and it, we've, we've got so much opportunity for big walleyes out here. No, and it's right now with people itching to get out ice fishing, folks, instead of putting yourself at risk, let the ice firm up and find go do some of this. Here's a great way you could go out and it gets dark early, spend some time at your favorite walleye lake near you, and it may not be 100 bites, but your chances of catching a really good fish and just getting some activity and getting out there and enjoying it. Last question, I'm going to put you on the spot because we didn't pre-talk about it. I know you work a lot with Lawrence. Anything new in the ice fishing side? I know you're not a big ice fishing that Lawrence wants to really let people know about. Well, I think the big thing right now is is the live sonar, and there's you know there's several manufacturers that are making it, but uh, the the active target sonar that I've got I've got it on my boat, but you can buy some kits that will allow you to take that on on the ice, and I think it's a wonderful tool to stick through the you can stick it through the ice, you can steer it in different directions, you can see where the fish are, you can see how the fish are reacting to your baits. Um, it is it is an amazing tool, and I've had a blast with it over the summer, and I can definitely see how you might use that on the ice and have a lot of fun with it well you and i excuse me you and i fished together and we actually were showing me some of that and how far out if i was to adapt that and put it in a hole in the ice how far out can i see um you can see 100 feet pretty easily um you know i generally run mine less than 60 most of the time and it depends a little bit on how deep the water is too in fairly shallow water you're only going to be maybe 20 or 30 feet to get up for an effective range but in deeper in deeper water you can do 60 to 100 feet easily well i would think the way trout cruise you know they're not they don't tend to bunch up on the spots as much as some of the other species that being able to see that you have those trout cruising in your area and either go to them or find a way to attract them to you that it would really be just this technology is so incredible it's uh it's just um it's almost mind-boggling and you can learn so much about fish behavior it is crazy yeah it's it's uh, i've caught <laughs> i was in minnesota for a while and we were fishing for crappies and just watching the way crappies react and then being able to steer the the beam in the direction i want to go and be able to move my boat 20 or 30 feet you can see how you throw ice fishing. If you drill a bunch of holes along an edge and you move this along and steer this thing and say, oh, they're over on that hole over there, and you walk over there and fish that hole, it's just it's just amazing this, how this is going to help people catch more fish. All right, Dan, we're out of time, but thanks for joining us. People get out, fish these walleyes from shore. Just a great activity. Dan, have a well, I, I, hopefully I'll talk to you before the holidays, but in case I don't, have a great Christmas. Thank you, and you too. All right, Dan Swanson, always a great resource. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, I'm going to wrap some things up, and I may visit with uh, Dan Jacobs about some things he's doing right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. (laughs) 
listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. We're wrapping things up. Now, a few housekeeping things here. We'll have fishable ice very soon. I really believe that, but give it time. Don't venture out on questionable ice. Be safe. We'll get to it. I know there's a pent-up demand. In the meantime, they're stocking trout up and down the front range. There's lots of opportunities to take kids out, to get out. Uh, I saw the truck just dumped a whole bunch of catchable trout at Boyd to get out and have some fun. Check the stocking report. There's great walleye fishing. You just heard Dan Swanson. You could catch the walleye of a lifetime right now by getting out and fishing from shore. And usually it's an evening bite, but evening now is 4.30, not 10 o'clock at night. So you can get out there at a reasonable time. Uh, We're going to podcast everything we covered today. So check that and we'll give you lots of tips. And there's tremendous fly fishing going on right now. So there are fishing opportunities for you to get out and take advantage of before you go out on unsafe ice. I'm anxious to get on the ice too, but we'll get there. So be careful. Right now is Dan. Is Mr. Dan Jacobs in the studio? Yes, sir. You know, before we get into our usual uh, getting after each other, I do want to commend you. I noticed that you're doing your charity again this year. Tell people about that. Oh well, thank you. Um, well, so we do the meals all year round, right? Um, and uh, thank you for bringing it up. But I'm you know, like to bring it up, but we do the meals year round. Nick Ferguson was out. Uh, he helps us with it as well. We do the free meals uh, twice a month, first and third Thursdays. You can stop by and get a hot meal and free groceries for the week. And But we only ask for, you know, I actually have to go out. We go out and I usually buy the meat, whatever. You know, we barbecue. We do. We, we call it, Terry, the best free meal in Denver. And uh, you are always generous. You guys donate every year. Um but once a year, because we, we kind of do it with the Giving Tuesday thing because you get matching donations, we ask, you know, people to chip in. And, uh, you know, so we can stock up because we have to go out and buy the meat and stuff that we barbecue. And because uh, I know you're big on the grill as well. I love what you, know, you post your, uh, your, your recipes and stuff. It's always fantastic, Terry, that you and Karen have. So, but yeah, we have to have money to go buy the meat. And so once a year, I go. And um, right now, I've been posting on my Facebook page and my Twitter account. If you want to chip in, you're free to do that. And um, so we do that. All right, my friend. You know what we should have done, Terry? Terry, we should have done, you know, $250 donation. You get to go fishing with Terry, and Terry will take a picture with your fish. That's what we should have done. Yeah, watch it, pal. We were, you were doing so good there for a while. Hey, I do have a couple questions about this game. Yes, sir. Well, one is a statement that's kind of a question. First of all, everybody talks about Teddy Bridgewater's decision-making, how quick he gets rid of the ball. If you look at the stat sheets put out by the people that analyze, he holds the ball longer than almost any quarterback in football from the time of the snap to the time of the throw. He is not a quick decision maker. Why do they keep saying that? Well, it's just the narrative that he makes good decisions. But but what you know, compared to Drew Locke, who comes into the game, fumbles <laughs> and it miraculously gets recovered for a first down, and then he throws an interception, it's just by comparison, you know, he looks good. That's all. Well I think Drew Locke looked totally uninterested. He's never been a backup before. I don't think they can say he's putting in the work. I don't think he is. Uh, He looked like he didn't even want to be there. Instead of giving an opportunity to shine, he looks at it as an inconvenience. And I was a a pretty big Drew Locke supporter up until that. Um, The other thing, um, Gordon's going to be out. I know the fans doing this run the ball, Pat. 
is he going to run the ball or is he going to think because Gordon's out, he can't run his one back that much and he's just going to fall back into his old ways? No, and I don't even know that this run the ball, run the ball, run the ball thing. Yeah, in theory, it's great if you can do it and you can get away with it. But, you know, it, in today's league, once you get behind, it's not like Mark Schlereth, you know, this fancy land he wants to live in where you can run the ball, you know, and get stuffed and, you know, the, the 12th time it'll break free. It's not a reality anymore. No, I don't think Pat Shermer is going to keep running the ball if they get way behind and they don't have success. I don't think they will. All right, my friend. I'll wrap this up so you can start. Are you watching the uh, Beatles documentary? Uh, Not yet, but I will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll get there. All right. We're going to wrap up Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Join us almost every Saturday on The Fan from 9 to 11. But when we're not here, we go over to ESPN from 10 to noon. So, but next, next two, three weeks, I'm pretty sure we're right here. We'll let the, we'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports with Jan, Dan Jacobs on 104.3 The Fan.